0: Welcome to the Our Infinite God podcast. This podcast exists to encourage the local church to right thinking and right actions
1: by meditating on God. We believe that right understanding of our infinite God will give us a clearer picture of everything else. My name is Alex Cook.
0: My name is Philip Long. Welcome to the podcast. All right, we want to welcome you back to the podcast. Alex, it's good to see you, man.
1: Yeah, it's good to be back. I'm glad we're doing this again. That's
0: great. That's great. We're trying something a little different uh, in this episode, and uh, we're really excited. We've got our first interview with Nathaniel Perry. So, Yes. Look, I, I've known Nate just for a little while, but you guys go way back, don't you?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm excited to hear what he has to say. Good. good. Yeah, so uh, our guest is Nathaniel Perry. I call him Nate Perry. And uh, so, how's it going?
2: It's going great, man. Thank you guys for letting me uh, be a part of the uh, podcast. That's too, right. right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Our infinite God. So, uh, to whatever extent I can l- lend my voice to this podcast for the glory of God, I'm, I'm happy to do that for you guys. Amen. Yeah. <clears throat> we
0: we made a list uh, when we were kind of brainstorming originally, and you were at the top of both of our list for an interview, and so that was a very clear, easy first first call. And specifically around this topic of missions. We don't know how much time on this podcast we'll spend on missions because we know, uh, uh, obviously, it's clear in Scripture, but just a, a clear passion that Alex and I have. And, and really how we got to know each other uh, was through missions. Yep. in Mexico. So, um, so we may spend a lot of time. But we thought, hey, first time we want to talk about missions, we want to talk about it with Nate Perry. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So I'm going to get started. I'm going to ask Go the first it. question. So Nate... Tell us a little bit about your story, Um, maybe meeting Alina, uh, seminary, uh, or God's calling on your life, where you kind of felt led towards missions.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm a local boy. I grew up here in uh, Fountain Inn with an awesome Christian family. We attended First Baptist Fountain Inn. I was there Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night for RAs. Um, Loved riding my dirt bike, uh, playing football, playing sports, and... um, it's kind of the kind of the all American lifestyle there yeah. you can think of, and uh, I uh, I went off to school at the College of Charleston and uh, got a double major in a liberal arts degree in history and uh, religious studies. So, religious studies was probably the first taste I, I got in my worldview coming from a small town like Fountain Inn of what different cultures and different mm-hmm. nations were like in those different religions, um, but as my spiritual life was, was not on track at that time, I was a, a prodigal away from the, the church and, and, and the Lord at that time. Um, God really brought me back uh, into his presence on May 18, 2003. That was a pivotal date in my life. Um, that's when I, I went down at Fountainhead First Baptist and uh, repented and um, kind of spoke to the church publicly uh, mm-hmm. in front of about 400 people. And um, I just remember this one thing, and this is the theme of my life, so if you See, see any Bible that I have, you'll see these words in the front of it, but um, live for eternity. And um, mm-hmm. I was reading C.S. Lewis at the time and he had this quote in Mere Christianity where he said, all that is not eternal is eternally useless. Mm-hmm. So I remember saying that to the church that day and that I had repented of my sin and it was just like, God, I did a 180 from that point in my life. So uh-huh. I was 23 years old um, and I just really felt that, that God put the spirit of missions upon me. Uh, very soon after that like um, we see that happening in the New Testament after the the, the, the conversions of the, of the saints and then them going and telling yeah. immediately so one of the things that led me to the foreign mission field um, was pretty much two or three months after that you know that time of repentance in my life um, I was uh, offered the afforded the opportunity to go to Brazil Manaus Brazil hmm. and I think um, being on fire for the Lord, just wanting to evangelize every, everybody I could. I, I think more of it for me, that was the first time I bought a passport. It was more adventurism for me, right. to, to like live the adventure and to see a new culture and to just travel. Um, I didn't really understand the impact that I could have on a short-term trip like that. It was 14 days, um, and that's really where God spoke to me and called me to a uh, career in missions. But we went down the Amazon River. We were going into the jungle to an unreached people group. And it was a three-tiered boat, and I remember journaling on top of the boat um, one evening, and uh, God just clearly calling. I could see all the stars in the southern hemisphere mm-hmm. there. Um, just beautiful night. Just just hear the motor of the boat, you know, rolling through the Amazon, and just really understanding the lostness that was around me, and um, and how unreached these people were. And that's where God was like, Nathaniel, I really am calling you to this wow. in, in a full-time capacity. And then the next two months. I spent um, working kind of hard labor jobs, and then I had the opportunity to go to Ukraine yeah. uh, with um, one of our friends, Alex um, uh, Chase Riddle. Yep. Um, he's uh, he, his dad asked me to go with him there, and, and uh, as as God's sovereign grace would unfold, that's where I would meet my wife. Yeah. Um, it was just okay, yeah. I've got to interrupt real quick. Okay. Like every time I. I'm talking to
1: Ashley Riddle about you. He's like, you know, I'm the one who got <laughs> Nick Perry to Ukraine. It wasn't yep. for me. He wouldn't know Alina. That's right. And so it's That it's is funny. true.
2: Ashley, Ashley gets the credit. <laughs> he gets yeah. the credit for that. But, um, yeah, so I, when I got to Ukraine, um, I got to spend some time with Alina. She was our interpreter. Um, we preached the gospel at these orphanages, and she would interpret um, the gospel for the uh, kids in Ukrainian and in Russian. And then um, it— we wouldn't have um, knitted our lives together um, through marriage if God had not allowed her to come back uh, with the pastor and his family on that trip that I was on. So I was there two weeks with her, spending time with her, and she also traveled back on the airplane um, to spend time with a local pastor and his family here for two months. And um, I I, I saw that as my chance, man. I was, hey, you know, the Bible says, be as uh, wise as a serpent, as an innocent <laughs> as a dove. So I asked the the pastor, you know, if, if he wouldn't mind me uh, coming over to his house for the next two months to get mentored and discipled. And, that was good. Yeah, he, that was good. He saw right through. <laughs> um, so that's kind of how me and Alina met. We fell in love over here. We had a long-distance relationship. And then um, I went over there, and we got married uh, mm. over there in Ukraine. That's awesome. awesome. That's, yeah. great. And, that's great. And um, after we got married, we came back to South Carolina Fountain Inn started a ministry at First Baptist uh, Sunday school teacher for the college and career class and impacted a lot of lives there that class grew um, had a great job and the you know, it had nothing to do with my liberal arts degree but I was in the construction field and um, God was calling me to, to pursue full-time seminary and full-time studies and I was just like man Lord I don't I don't want to go right now I'm, I'm doing well and you know in this American life and, and the job that I had and I really felt his tug on me, and I was fighting that call, and it took the uh, 2008 financial collapse, Mm. Uh, and then I lost my job um, about two years after that in 2010, and that's when God called us to move to Louisville, Kentucky to go to Southern Theological Seminary to pursue um, a degree, a Master of Divinity, and and specifically in missions and church planning. And um, I said, Lord, my wife's not going to go for it, but I told her. I was unemployed. We had our first child. She was about 8 months old at the time and wow. and God was like and she was she said, "Yeah, let's do it. Let's go." And so we packed up a U-Haul and wow. left our home on faith and uh, one one good wise counsel that I got um, not not many people know this. I'll share this a lot, but um we won't on tell a, anybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is this problem. but on a um, it, it was on a uh, a trip to Israel. Um through a, a local university here in North Greenville that I met an um, a uh, ex-naval chaplain there. And um, I told him God's calling me to full-time seminary, and he said, Nate, try to, uh, if, you, if you love missions, pursue uh, perhaps pursue the U.S. Army chaplaincy. Wow. So um, one of the things Alina and I discussed is if we go to seminary, like, let me see if I can get into the military, that'll help pay for our school and, and help yep. our insurance. Um, so I took the oath of office and went in as a, a lieutenant in the chaplain corps, and so I spent four years at uh, Fort Knox, Kentucky, doing chaplaincy while pursuing my seminary degree, yeah. and that helped pay for everything and, right. and the insurance. So, awesome. so it was great. Yeah, it was, it was a great learning experience, and um, really a good, uh, just God calling for, for me to be at Fort Knox at that time. Yeah, you know, uh, counseling a lot of soldiers with PTSD, doing a lot of ministry there. Um, so yeah, it was good. So. That's kind of what we did at seminary uh, as far as ministry. We are involved in our local church there. And um, I was talking to a professor one, one time, and he gave me this statistic. And so if people out there, you like data, you like statistics, yep. this is from Training Leaders International, which is a very good evangelical um, um, mission organization where they really focus on theological training, which is where I think me and Alex and Philip yep. we yep. love that aspect of, yep. some of missions. But um, they, they gave me a fact in seminary that rocked my world, and I couldn't, I couldn't escape it, I couldn't get away from it, it just kept coming back, coming back, but they said for every um, one theologically trained uh, pastor or theologian man in, in America, and, and to make a caveat there, that means even if you went to Bible school, so right. undergrad, right. so think of Anderson University or North Greenville University or Charleston Southern, if you graduated with a Bible degree in undergrad or seminary, there's one trained guy for every 200 people in the United States. So there's a lot of us trained guys here yep. in the U.S. And then they said on the the other side of the coin, there's only one trained guy for every 420,000 people wow. outside the U.S. Yeah. And so my professor challenged me. He said, Nate, where do where do you think God needs you? Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, Wow, you're right. And and it didn't really hit me until. I started applying for some church jobs at kind of toward the end of, end of seminary because I was like, I'll probably just go to pastor in the States or something. And I sent a resume through our kind of LinkedIn structure at Southern Seminary to a church in Virginia. And I got a call back from uh, maybe the search committee or the personnel committee, and they said, Nature, one of 300 resumes. Yeah. And I said, Wow. That just blew me away right there. I said, Yeah you know what, I'm going to go talk to my professor again and see how we can pursue missions full-time. And that's yeah. kind of the door that opened for the IMB with us. Yeah. Uh, he that's told great. us to pursue that. So.
0: Yeah, so tell us a little about that. Um, if, if anybody is you know, listening to this is familiar with the Southern Baptist Convention, they may be familiar with the International Mission Board, the IMD. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't grow up in the Baptist church, so I was kind of new to that. Um, so tell us a little about, you know, kind of how you got connected there. and What was your role? What did that structure look like for you, and where, 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 where did y'all go, where did you get sent?
2: Yeah, so um, my professor was that really encouraged me to pursue the International Mission Board uh, Avenue was um, uh, dean, uh, Zane Pratt, um, who was the Dean of the Billy Graham School of, of Missions and Church Planning and Evangelism at Southern at the time. He's now the uh, Vice President of Theological Education at, at the International Mission Board. But he said, um, you know, pursue it. The Holy Spirit will open the door um, to, to show, you know, to show you where you and Alina will be sent. Right. And so in our minds, we were thinking, okay, Eastern Europe, she can speak Ukrainian, yep. Russian, and, you know, um, that's um, probably the Euro- European affinity group. This is probably where we want to land. We are kind of praying to that end. And um, they have a job fair expo kind of, kind of system that they put together where you go to um, three breakout sessions that you choose in each different affinity. So yeah. um, this is a really neat story how, how God took us to the specific affinity he took us to. But, um, you know, we're all gung-ho, ready to go to Europe, and we go to the European breakout. And this is at seminary, so there's a lot of candidates here. You know, this is yep. this is a big expo. Um, and um, we only saw uh, two people there, just another couple in a, a big affinity group, you know. Um, I was like, "Wow, Lord, where you know, are you not calling missionaries to Europe, or <laughs> yeah. you know, where, what are we doing?" And uh, so we we kind of tell the guy that's heading up that group, like, you know, she's Ukrainian. We want to we see a lot of fruit with the Eastern European people, and he's just like Nate. We have no place at all. No no right. jobs. No selections. No, nothing's open there. Wow. And I was like, well, "Well, Lord, maybe you're not calling us this way, you know?" So we had to do two more uh, to kill the rest of the day. And so <laughs> yep. So I just kind of threw a dart at the map and hit south that Southeast Asia. And so I said, let's go to Southeast Asia and break yeah. out. So we go to Southeast Asia, and um, it was a little more uh, uh, attended than, than the European. There's probably eight people at that one, which shocked me again. I was like, wow, Lord, you know, Southeast Asia, that's a you know, big place, you know. Not, not a lot of people uh, being called here. And So we sit through that. And I feel no call at all to go yeah. there. Uh, don't feel a, a they pull from the spirit or burning in the heart. Neither does Alina, and Alina's like, "All right, we've got one more breakout to go to." And I'm like, "I'm done. I don't want to go to any yes. more breakouts." And and she said, "No, let's go to the uh, North Africa Middle East." And I was, and I, I specifically told her this. I was like, "I'm not going there. That's where all the terrorists are." Right. You know. And uh, I was like, "It's too dangerous." And uh, she said, "Well, let's just go because we got to kill at the time." And and so I was like, "Okay." So where they were having this breakout session at Southern was in the hotel, the upstairs of the hotel at Southern. There's a big uh, a lobby, or like they call it a legacy room there. And uh, I remember opening the doors to that um, that room, and uh, there were double doors. Lena grabbed one, the right uh, swing, and I grabbed the other swing. We both kind of opened the door there, and it was like a holy grail moment. It was like, ah, oh, you know. Yeah. I saw like 100 people in there. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, went from two to eight, literally 100. And they 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 are adding more chairs. People are standing up around it, and I I immediately said, "Wow, God's calling people to the North African Middle East region," wow. and uh, I knew what I knew what God was doing at that time, but I was not ready to join in that. Yeah, <laughs> he's triumph calling. He's and, calling somebody. Yeah, he's not calling yeah. me. And um, and so the guy um starts passing around a brochure, and on the brochure, on the very front of it, because um, I I had no idea that that we would be, you know. Um, strategically trying to reach this people group. For some reason, you, you think they're already reached, but they're not. Uh, but there was an Orthodox Jew on the front of the cover. So there's like half of the brochure was an Orthodox Jew, and the other half were a you know, bunch of different like Muslim and Islamic-type references. And as soon as I saw the Jew there, I was just like, oh my gosh, Lord, what? you know? My heart just opened up, and I was like, man, I, I know where you're calling us now. I knew from that moment on. And um, what I didn't know is that there are um, there are 8 million people living in Israel 6 million are are Jews 2 million are, are Arab Israelis um, but what I didn't realize was there were so many Russians that immigrated to Israel Russian Jews interesting wow. so there are one point like 8 million Russian speakers like that's all they speak is Russian yeah. now they know Hebrew they know some English but yeah. um and so the guy was like, your wife speaks Russian? I was like, yeah, man. He was like, like, yeah, and he's like, and you love the Jews? I was like, yeah, man. This, is, this is, was, Everything was just lining up. The stories yeah, were lining yeah. up. And um, we did have um, one other, there was one other placement in the Czech Republic that we thought about doing, but um, kind of toward the end of the expo, the last um, uh, ceremony that we had, uh, God laid it on both of our hearts to go to Israel. So yeah. that's yeah. how that door opened. Um, that's and, awesome. And, and in the International Mission Board, I will say this, the North African Middle East uh, region is the most dangerous region uh, that, that we have missionaries serving in. And um, for us, our, our selection was to be career missionaries there um, outside of Tel Aviv. So that's, mm-hmm. uh, that was our place of service, was kind, kind. of the suburbs of Tel Aviv. So yeah. Big urban environment. <clears throat>
0: yeah. yeah, that's great, that's great.
1: It's amazing what, like just how God works. Like so many times we think, oh, this is where God's calling me. Yeah, and uh, and then it's, it's it's almost like God's like, huh, that's funny, yeah. let me show you what I'm really doing. Yeah, and then we figure it out, which and then we, we are so thankful that God chose that path for us than what we were planning on doing. That's right. yep. So, um, okay, uh, I've so the third question I have for you, or second question I have for you, what is missions? Um, and we can go down a rabbit trail here, <laughs> um, because there's so many different things like what is missions? What's well, frontier missions? Um, what is going on cultural missions, unreached people. So, um, maybe just hit, what is missions to begin
2: with? Yes. Yeah, kind of, um, Philip and I were bouncing some things off each other, uh, before we started the podcast. And, it, you know, if you want to go with the classical definition of, of missions, it is, um, and in intentionality, uh, following the great commission formula of, uh, reaching, uh, so, um, seeing conversions happen, evangelizing, um, baptisms occur and then teaching uh, all that Christ has commanded and obeyed, but specifically doing this cross-culturally or crossing a cultural bound- boundary to a, um, uh, a different people group. So um, that would be your, that would be your classic kind of definition of missions, but um, so it's more than just like going down the road and heading on a track. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 definitely more than that. It's 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 more than uh, just doing hu- humanitarian aid. It, it is something that um, we are called to do. Uh, first of all, in Matthew twenty eight and the Great Commission, uh, it's a mandate. It's it's an order from our King, um, and it's also a, a strategy that God's laid out in Acts one eight, a geographical strategy, not only to to pursue evangelism and pursue um, um, theological teaching in your own. Local environment, but to expand that uh, to, from Jerusalem, Samaria to the other parts of the earth. So, you want to cross those boundaries. You want to go yeah. out to the outermost parts of the earth. And uh, the big thing that, that makes foreign missions different than, um, and this kind of dovetails in probably the next question, but um, the big thing that makes foreign missions uh, different than, and saying living on mission at home, is that you're dealing with people who are, um, who are unreached. Um, so, so what that means is they, they don't have access to the gospel. Um, for example, like, you know, we live in Fountain Inn here, Infinity's on Fairview, uh, Fairview Road here in Fountain Inn. I think I, I might be wrong here, but I think I counted eight churches now on this road. Yep. Um, from Fountain Inn, First Baptist at the end of the road, all the way down to Beulah. Um, so I think there was like eight or nine, cause there's a little Hispanic church yep. that just popped up yep. on the left. But, um, so, so... A place like the Bible Belt in South Carolina, um, we are greater than two percent evangelical, so we're reached. Um, an unreached people group will be um, a place that is less than two percent evangelical, and we call that an unreached people group, or a UPG, you'll hear that in the mission, um, in mission terminology. And then there's also um, a, a term called UUPG, which means unreached, unengaged people groups. And those are some of the most remote frontier, uh, you know, native tribes that, that you can think of. Think think of a, um someone that not only is less than two percent evangelical, which means there's there's a little church presence there, but think of no church presence yeah. and yeah. no missionary telling them the gospel at all. Yeah. So, um, so there there's a difference between sharing the gospel here in the states versus sharing it, you know outside our borders, um, to unreached people groups and unreached and unengaged people groups. Yeah, and I think that uh, the
0: first time I came across that, I was in high school, and I think I knew that you know, there were more Christians here than other places, but I hadn't really thought about the fact that there were people who didn't have access at all right. to the gospel. And the, the illustration I heard um, from uh, somebody in seminary one time was, you know, imagine the greatest uh, revival you know, imaginable, where where everybody in church right now that's a member of a church or even loosely connected with a church, shares a go- shares the gospel with every single person they know and everybody they come in contact with. Like, everybody's on the street, everybody's going to work, and every single time, they all those people believe. You know, I mean, you can imagine that. Every 100%. single Christian, 100%, every single, there still would be, you know, and you, you, you look around, you get different numbers. I, I don't know what the most recent number is, but at least... 2 or 3 billion people who aren't Christians. Right. Because 2 or 3 billion people it's not just that they don't know Jesus or don't have a church on you know in their city, they don't there's not even a Christian there. Right. They don't even know a Christian. Yeah, there. they don't even know a Christian. And so that that is why missions is so important. Right. It's because we if we only share the gospel with people around us and we should be doing that. Yeah. But if we only do that then there's billions of people Never have a chance
2: to even hear. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. and that's that's why it's important. I think you know, coming from the North Africa Middle East affinity that I was involved in, for the local church yeah. to be involved in places that that need that access to the gospel. Right. Um, so, for example, um, you know, Haiti. Uh, we've got tons of people in Haiti. We don't need to go to Haiti. There, there's there are yeah. many, many churches and many, many mission organizations working in Haiti right now. We need to go to places where there's no access to the yeah, gospel, yeah. or very little access to the gospel, um, so that we can um, effectively uh, see a new churches planted yeah. and, then, and then those churches mul- uh, you know, uh, begin to multiply. But um, another thing I wanted to, uh, to tie into missions, and this is, uh, this, was, this, is, this is a quote taken from a book that had a profound impact on my life, um, was a book by um, um, John Piper, which is called Let the Nations Be Glad. But um, he really gave me a different view, uh, kind of a different angle of looking at missions. And uh, I'm just going to quote him here, but this is the thesis of his book. And uh, it's kind of what the book revolved around. But he said, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church, but worship is. Missions exist because worship does not. So kind of what I want to unpack a little bit about Missions per se the term missions is you won't find just just that term in the hebrew or greek right, Uh, but of course you you find this term in 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 the Old Testament in the New Testament of all nations Um, God's heartbeat to see that every nation tribe and tongue come to worship him Mm -hmm. to praise him and um, You know we don't even have to get get out of the what? 12 chapters into the book of Genesis. We're we're already there With the call of, um, of Abraham and, yep. and the uh, covenant there, where he said, you know, I'll bless those who bless you, I'll curse those who curse you, and all nations of the earth will be blessed through you. Yeah. And if you look at if you look at that in the Hebrew, uh, which I studied in Israel, like all nations is called goim, go meaning all, and go, goi meaning nation, goim nations plural. But when they translated that into the Greek Septuagint, yeah, ethne, it's the same, same as the as the as the Great Commission. Yeah. it's the same exact terminology there so God's heartbeat is there at the very beginning and then you you run it through and then I picked one more uh, kind of in the middle of the Bible Psalm 67 uh, we called it the missionary Psalm but it's David's borrowing uh, from the um, from the Aaronic blessing in, in, in um, numbers where uh, God says um, I'll be gracious to you and, and, and cause my face to shine upon you and, and bless you and um, and David kind of takes that ironic blessing and, and expands it to say alright God be gracious to us and, and let your face smile upon us because you know if you bless us we'll go out to the nations and yeah. tell them so that all the nations of the earth will, yeah. be, will be glad and praise you. Yeah. So we and what that. a different
0: world view yeah. than so much of you know so many people pray yeah bless us period right. Yeah. and that, that psalm he says bless us so that, so that. Yeah. That's right. so your salvation may reach to the ends right. of the earth that's right. and that's I just love that's <clears throat> That's we're we're a we're a channel.
2: Yeah, bless me, but not for my sake, for the sake of the nations. Yeah, and, yeah. and uh, America bear, bears a huge responsibility. For yeah, that. we've we, been blessed. We have been materially blessed more so than any other nation on the earth. Yeah. So therefore, if we're going to be receiving this much blessing, this much, you know, responsibility, um, you know, we're we're always if we're going to be at this this status on the on the world stage, we're always going to be exporting mission. Yeah. So we're always going to be taking um, the gospel and the, the way that we understand the gospel to the nations, right? Yep. So it's important that um, that we we contextualize, we we understand other nations and understand their cultures, and that we we don't let the uh, the American kind of mindset corrupt right. that that view. And, and, and that's been done before. And Absolutely. Which is, um,
1: I can't help but think about uh, a couple of things. One is just this idea, like. Uh, in Proverbs it says that he who waters will be watered and this, and it's typically we see this idea with blessings in the Bible they're designed to be given out not to be withheld and so I can't help but think about uh, water and like rivers anytime a river stops flowing it just becomes a swamp it's yeah. stagnant mm-hmm. yep yeah. and so and that's what Unfortunately, some churches become when they, they don't care about the Great Commission, they just become stagnant because they're not giving out that blessing that God's poured out on them. Mm-hmm. And so, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's really good. And I do want to circle back to that John Piper quote because you're right. That, that had a huge impact on me. Uh, I read this before spending some time abroad. And um, that's so powerful that worship is the end goal here. Mm-hmm. We, want, we want everybody. We we see our greatest joy, the greatest purpose in life is worshiping our one true God. Yeah. And when we wait when we look around and realize, hey, there's a lot of people who don't have that. That's why we do missions, is exactly. so that the others, uh, so others would
1: would worship. And that's huge exactly. because if the fuel is just to get numbers or just yep. to be like, hey, our church is bigger now. We got a church in this continent or this country. Yep. Then the fuel for missions runs out. Absolutely. But if Jesus is worthy to be praised by every single tongue that's out there yeah then our
2: fuel for missions never ends right mm-hmm. right and we see that we see the end of the story in, in Revelation 4 and 5 we see the picture of the throne room where every nation tribe and tongue is worshiping God so so that helps us um, that helps fuel our, our mission Absolutely. And, and then like just to piggyback off your mission statement um, here for, for the podcast um, you say that a right understanding of our infinite God will provide a clearer picture for everything else. Yeah. Um, so if you can rightly see who God truly is and all His sovereign glory and His holiness, then it propels your mission. Absolutely. You know, it, 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 that vision creates missionaries. Yeah. Um, and so I, I just kind of, Holy Spirit brought this to mind. So let's let's unpack that a little bit. Just um, looking at Isaiah chapter six, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I don't have my Bible in front of me, but it's, verse one starts off the year that King Uzziah died I yeah. saw the Lord high and lifted up right so Isaiah is getting a picture of of the mighty God of, yeah. of the earth you know of heaven and earth and then and then you get these word pictures of uh, two seraphim um, crying out to each other holy 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 three times mm-hmm. and in the Hebrew you know that that, that uh, Hebraic uh, expression is more so than we can even understand the English because yeah. Yeah. You know, Hebrew carries with it numerology and things like that, but like it's expounding upon itself. The, the Hebrew kadosh, kadosh, kadosh like is saying that this is an ineffable, it's, it's hard to articulate how sacred and how awesome yeah. and how holy this being heard, is. I heard Sproul <clears throat> say the only time you see
1: uh, an attribute of God repeated three times in the Bible is right there. Yep. It doesn't say that God's love, love, love. It says that God's holy, yep. holy and you see holy. it
2: again in Revelation four eight, where John sees it in the vision where he sees the um, the angels with the faces and they're yeah. crying out holy, holy, holy. Right. Without stop, you know. Right. Kinda kinda shows us that even while we're sleeping, these angels are crying out holy, holy mm. even while we're doing whatever. They're they're never stopped saying mm. that. And um you see the you see what happens. I mean the thresholds shake, the smoke fills the temple, the train of God's robe fills it up and and you see the the um, the result of that is uh, Isaiah sees his own depravity. Yeah. Mm, mm, woe woe, yeah. Woe, yeah. woe is me. I think I got, in the yeah, King yeah. James it says, I'm undone. Yeah. <laughs> or or yes, we might say I'm ruined, I can't remember, but yeah. um it carries with it like literally he's about to disintegrate in the whole holiness yeah. of God. And then what I like about it is he not only sees his own depravity, but he sees the depravity of all man, yeah. all the people. Mm-hmm. He says, "I'm a man of unclean lips, and the people that are around me have unclean lips. So we're all polluted. We're all yeah. cursed. We're all in this, you know, this swamp." Uh, to borrow your language, Alex. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. uh, but what I love is after the atonement, after the uh, the angel, you know, these cosmic beings who can't even look at God because they're covering their eyes with their one set of wings, and they're covering their feet because the holiness of the foundation of the throne is coming up. They can't even yeah. beat us. let those be sin. They float, you know, hovering with the other two. Like they take a, a, a coal and put it on his lips, and that atones for our sin. You yeah. know, and, and that's a picture of what Christ did for us yeah. on the cross, atoning yeah. for our sin. And then immediately, what does he say after that miraculous miracle that just happened? He hears God. You know, he hears God saying. You know who will go for us, and he says, "Here am I, send me." Yeah. So if to to piggyback on your infinite God statement, if we can take as ministers a telescope and show how big and how infinite, how sovereign and holy, amazing God is, um, I think that will produce missionaries. Yeah. I think that will produce people going. Yeah. And on it's all in His glory. <clears throat> yeah. If we've
1: tasted the forgiveness and grace, like if we understand the swamp that we are in, yeah. And then we're and then God picks us out mm-hmm. of it. We don't deserve to be picked out of it, but He does it in His lovely grace. And I mean, it's going to produce that warning to tell.
0: Hey, this has been a great conversation with Nate Perry about the missions. So we're going to cut it here for now and come back with Nate again in our next episode to keep this conversation going. And next time, we especially want to look at what this means for the local church. So be sure to be on the lookout for our next episode. And until next time, dwell on our